The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. This show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1976, Episode 8, It's the Good Life. In this episode, we'll cover September 18th through October 5th. Yeah, pretty soon there'll be nothing left for everybody. Pretty soon there'll be nothing left for you and me. Pretty soon there'll be no air to breathe. Pretty soon there'll be no procedures. Pretty soon there'll be nothing left for everybody. Pretty soon there'll be nothing left for everybody. Pretty soon there'll be nothing left for you and me Pretty soon there'll be no plans to make There'll be no aeroplanes to take No trains of thought to break For everybody Pretty soon there'll be no place to land Pretty soon there'll be no sea or sand no one to understand or lend a helping hand to anybody Pretty soon there'll be no hearts to break Pretty soon there'll be no belly ache There'll be no pills to take and make no mistake There'll be nothing left for everybody Everybody Pretty soon there'll be nothing left for everybody Pretty soon there'll be nothing left for you and me Pretty soon there'll be no sky There'll be no one asking why There'll be no one left to cry For everybody From a raft of nothing we can build a boat with a shaft of light as faith, I'm sure she'll float But on a rough and stormy sea, the going won't be easy But if we don't, there'll be nothing left for everybody Pretty soon there'll be nothing left for everybody
September 1976 was a seemingly stressful time for the ex-Beatles. Paul was rehearsing, getting Wings ready to complete the Wings Over the World tour. George, having lost the plagiarism suit, is awaiting his monetary punishment. Increasing legal pressure on George from A&M Records for missing his album due date obligations. And Ringo's lukewarm album release of Roadwork Reviewer on Atlantic Records. Thank you. Meanwhile, John was also to get that uneasy feeling as the Lennons, John, Yoko, and Sean, take a short vacation to Massachusetts, staying in Boston at the Copley Plaza Hotel on St. James Avenue. The main reason for the trip was to meet the health food pioneer Michio Kushi, a lecturer in oriental medicine and philosophy of macrobiotics. After the war, entire Japan was the disaster. At that time, that American supply also started to come. And then later, coming fast food, and the hamburgers, and more and more, right? the Western style of eating. Before that, the, we don't have much kind of like cancer or heart disease. And, but after started to come, all those Western food, especially American influence and American fast food, increasing very rapidly heart disease, overweight, and at the same time, the cancer. The Lennons were fascinated by his macrobiotic teachings, as well as his philosophy on life, so reminiscent of the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and the Arthur Janoffs of the world. Life never be continuous happiness or continuous unhappiness. Life is always changing, happy state to unhappy state, rich state to poor state. And that is the order of the universe. And when we understand that order of the universe, then we can start to see very large view of life. And we do not move ourselves because of vicissitude, because of small up and down. And we can orient our direction towards the last goal, which we go with everyone to the ultimate happiness, that is health play on this planet. His wife Aveline founded Iriwan, a macrobiotic food outlet on Newberry Street. During the trip, the Lennons visited the Cushy's home in Brookline for dinner and conversation. While staying at the Copley Plaza, the Lennons encountered a small number of fans waiting for them outside. The Lennons were friendly and posed for photos and signed autographs. As the days progressed, so did the fans outside the hotel, as word of the Lennons spread. The situation was strained even further when fans started following Sean's nanny Masako and baby Sean. The Lennons left Boston for New York on September 18th. When John arrived back home, another group of fans were outside the Dakota apartment with a copy of yesterday's New York Herald newspaper. Concert promoter Sid Bernstein 
who booked and promoted the Beatles' Carnegie Hall concert in 1964 and the Shea Stadium concert in 1965, placed a full-page ad in yesterday's New York Herald Tribune newspaper requesting that the Beatles reunite for a one-off charity concert. The full-page ad read as follows. Dear George, John, Paul, and Ringo, you have made the world a happier place to live in. Your music has found its way into the hearts of millions of people in every corner of the world. For almost 10 years now, your dedicated old friends and countless new friends have hoped, have waited, and patiently watched for a signal from you that you might play from one stage, just one more time, individually or together. In a world that seems so hopelessly divided, engaged in civil war, scarred by earthquakes, and too often living in fear of tomorrow's encore of tragic headlines, more than ever, we need a symbol of hope for the future, simply by showing the world that people can get it together. Let the world smile for one day. Let us change the headlines from gloom and hopelessness to music and life and a worldwide message of peace. You four are among the very few who are in a position to make the dream of a better world come together in the hearts of millions in just one day. The burden of the world is not on your shoulders. We all share that responsibility. This proposal is made for your consideration. Only if you can. We out there would welcome your return. The ad continues to give a plan on how the Beatles could get together. It also mentions that a part of the show will go to a charity, and that every person who came to the show, whether it be at the live concert or at one of those video things in a town anywhere in the world, they'd have to bring a can of food or an item of clothing for some country that was impoverished. The possible revenues. $100 million from the sale of an album recorded live at this event. $40 million from the sale of seats at a moderate ticket price to every closed-circuit venue around the world. $15 million for the TV rights around the world to be shown the next day or the next week free to all who couldn't buy tickets. The night of the concert, £60 million from a movie of the event itself and an equal amount of footage devoted to each of you to talk, play or share in your own way your lives as individuals with your friends who want to see you. $15 million from the sale of programs, books and souvenirs. The total, $230 million for one concert. We said, well, I think it's Sid. Let's get that out the way right now. We're not getting back together. We don't care about Sid Bernstein. We are very friendly, and that's the end of it. You know, we've all leading our own lives, and I don't think an ad in the paper is going to um, do the trick. We have to want it uh, personally ourselves. Sid was the man who offered us a million dollars to reform. Basically, what do you think is Sid Bernstein's offer? 120 million pounds between you with about 20% to charity and the stipulation that everybody who came to the concert would have to bring a can of food. <laughs> can of fruit? food? Food. Oh, food? A can of food to or, or where? Uh, to needy countries or, or item well, of clothing. Eat it while we're there. It's going to be a long concert. No, you get, you get a charity concert to distribute it. But everybody oh. who came to the concert conceivably would have to bring an item of clothing or some food for a needy country. Well, I'd like to answer this in two parts. Right. The first part in my normal voice the second one, a high squeaky voice. <laughs> don't laugh now, this is a serious question, right? Right. We don't laugh at these sort of things in real life. Right. Well, Sydney, may all your troubles be little ones. And secondly, if you have to have any, I hope the boils on your nose. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, now to answer this in my second voice. Sydney! 
I think it's real serious what you asked me to do. But I will not participate in any of these situations if you beg me on your knees. It was around this time in Monte Carlo that Ringo got engaged to Nancy Andrews. I just got engaged, yeah, right. Uh, which is interesting. We've lived together for two years. Uh, but it, no, it's sweet, though. I mean, it, we both felt like, uh, I think, school children again. I mean, we were looking at each other and laughing. I mean, it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, we old hands anyway, but suddenly we got engaged. We just saw this ring, and I said, do you want to get engaged? And she said, yeah. And, uh, and then we felt really funny, you know. Are you old-fashioned? Oh, I am. You're having an engagement. When do you plan to marry? When we get married. We've got engaged. You haven't to... named a date. Right? No, no. And it will not be before Christmas. But who can say? All right. But I know I, I went through that with the English journalist came over today and said, oh, before Christmas. And I never said that. I just like the idea of being engaged. I mean, it's just a wonderful idea. Nobody gets engaged. I've lived with the lady for two years. And suddenly we said, well, do you want to get engaged? Let's get engaged. Is it a gesture for your lady? Yeah, it's a beautiful ring. She'll never give me back. <laughs> Don Kirshner, an American music publisher, producer, and promoter, held the second annual Rock Music Awards show on September 18th in Los Angeles. Brian Wilson, The Beatles, Elvis, John Lennon, and Bob Dylan were nominated for the Hall of Fame Award. Here's the winner. And the winner is... The Beatles. got a telegram from the lads. We finally made it, Keith. And uh, everybody that uh, has given us this prestigious award is enhanced by the beauty of your receiving it for us. <laughs> I've got an open invitation to any of the houses, so afterwards, the best looking in the audience will be selected and will be going there for a late luncheon and an early breakfast. Thank you so much. 
On September 19th, Wings embark on their last leg of their world tour. This four-city tour begins in Vienna, Austria at Wiener Stadthall.
On September 20th in America, Atlantic Records released the single A Dose of Rock and Roll by Ringo Starr.
Ringo sets out on a four-city tour to promote his LP, Roto Graveur. This is not a conventional concert tour, but an interview tour. He conducts this tour outside of Great Britain as he is a tax exile. The first stop is Paris, France, where he holds interviews at the George Five Hotel. Thank you very much, Bob Stewart. And this is Radio Luxembourg, where the time is 11 o'clock just after. And coming up soon, a program from the one and only Ringo Starr and Tony Prince. to the Ringo Star interview. A couple of days ago, Radio Luxembourg and Polydor Records invited me to interview Ringo Starr in Paris. I went along to Paris on a Fokker friendship from Luxembourg City down to Paris and down to the George Five Hotel, where later on in the day, and it was much later on in the day, I finally got together with Ringo. Can I ask you a serious question? Yes. All right. You're not going to allow it. I know this is going to be the most I'll allow recording you like. you've ever heard in your life. But here's a, here's a serious question. Yes. A very serious question. Yes, I'm ready. Has it ever surprised you that you've had more success than John and George? No. Did you anticipate that when you left the Beatles? No. No, I was very slow, but I'm very fast. But you have. A, you, you have I mean, I started slow. I mean, let's get real. Okay, we're in the room, right. sitting here. Okay. We're on the air right now, you know, it's five o'clock in the morning. Materialistically, you've done a lot more than John and uh, George in terms of record hits and movie successes. Did yeah. you ever anticipate when you were a member of the Beatle that you could, you could be, let's say, a more successful individual? It wasn't that I fought for it, it's just I worked harder at the time. What caused it? Well, nothing. That was what I wanted to do. They were, I rested for a year while they all did it when we split. You're right. And then I started work and they decided to rest, you know. Um, it wasn't something I worked for, it just happened to go that way, and they, they have to admit to that, and so do I. You, you, you obviously had more drive. Just at that time. Yeah. That's just at that time, though. Do you think they ran we out take, of drive? I mean, it's, no, no, it's just that, at the, you know, any time someone takes over. Yeah. And right now I was doing it, and someone will come in, like Paul now is really strong. Even with Linda. And they're really strong, and you know, it'll go on like that, and someone will take over all the time. That's how it's always been. <laughs> you don't have autonomy on record company decision as to what the single is going to be the from the album. Time. That's the first time I've done that here. Well, now... You mean you're letting the record company get I'm on with it? I'm trying to talk to you. I'm doing this whole tour, right? Yeah. you got 12 hours of listening to me. I'm trying to do this whole thing where I got to France, we're saying, what are you saying? I want this to be the single saying, well, no, in France it's going to be this. It's better this. So, okay, well, let's see if it works. We just found out today, including Mike Hales, head of international Indivision, <laughs> right? He thought Dose of Rock and Roll was in England. Yeah. But they came through today saying, no, it isn't. You know what's going to be the single? Tell us. Tell us. Mike Hale, uh, what's Opportunity Knocks. What's going to be the single of Ringo's? In England. In England. You don't know me at all. I think uh, we're going to play a called You Don't Know Me.
at all. That's supposed to be the next single from Ringo's new album, and we like it. Back on the Wings Over the World tour, the band flies to Zakreb, Yugoslavia on September 21st to play the Dom Sportova Hall. This is the first time that any Beatle played behind the Iron Curtain.
On September 23rd, Ringo Starr travels from Paris, France to Milan, Italy for more Rotogravure promotions. more than just a dose of rock and roll if he is ever to go on stage again I, i'm not interested right now in sort of going out there as a rock and roll band and performing i enjoy it when it's like you know a special event i get off on the like bangladesh was like the rolling thunder thing was they were like events that would never be repeated as far as i'm concerned you know but just something you do and then, and then it's over yeah maybe i'll go on the road it's fine the format for me, you know. It'll be your dancing, singing, telling jokes time. I'm not going to get up there for two hours and just do straight numbers. I want dancing girls and everything out with me. As soon as you say dancing girls, it turns into Las Vegas, but it'd be like Las Vegas, rock and roll Las Vegas, but not a horror movie like Alice Cooper. Ringo appeared on a chat show in Milan with interviewer Fiorella Gentile, where he previewed the mini-promotional film for the song Hey Baby.
Meanwhile, in another part of Italy, tremendous rains and devastating flooding cripples the already endangered city of Venice. Historic canal streets and even priceless artwork is ruined by the waters. Although the rains have subsided, it is concerning that many of the plazas and buildings are slowly sinking. The United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, nicknamed UNESCO, holds World Cares Week to raise money for the cause. Paul McCartney and Wings contact UNESCO to perform a benefit concert in St. Mark's Square. Venice agreed. McCartney and Wings is the climax of the World Week for Venice. It's never been heard of before. A rock group in the 12th century St. Mark's Square, normally sacred and sedate, echoing only with the sound of music associated with the Palm Court Orchestra. But Venice needs more money and more publicity, and UNESCO while trying to save the past, are realistic enough to cash in on current fashions. For two days, the McCartneys and their three children had been holed up in the best suite in the best hotel in Venice. They were seeing no one. But on Friday, Paul and Linda and the other wings emerged, grabbed themselves a gondola and faced the paparazzi. The Beatles are still in the memory of everybody who likes this sort of music. So the normal thing was to look in that direction. I hope that we shall be able to give Venice uh, from this week, including this concert, and this concert will certainly bring the greatest amount of money, uh, between five, 50 and $80,000, which is almost a symbolic sum, but it is important enough to let us repair, let us say, repair the Basilica of St. Mark. There are billions needed for Venice. This unique, really marvelous city, uh, of which not only each monument is a monument, but each house, each office is a monument, must be saved, not only for the world, but also for its people, for its population. There are hundreds of people leaving Venice every month, definitely. This should be stopped. Venice should not just be a museum, it should be a living city. And this is what UNESCO fights for, if I may say so. Was there any particular reason why Venice, out of all the charity applications you must get? No, we were coming to Europe anyway, we were going to do some gigs in Europe, and uh, Mr. UNESCO rang up and he said, um, we're having this week, which is a festival, and we'd like you to sort of close the week with a big concert in aid of sinking Venice. So we said, okay. £2 million worth of equipment goes up in St. Mark's Square. Ancient monuments come in handy for modern lighting effects. Saints can no longer preserve the city, but wings might help. There are, however, technical problems. 
St. Mark's Square stands over a canal, and 75 tons worth of concert gear and scaffolding has to be used to help save Venice from sinking. The square groaned, creaked, and cracked, but the authorities had already decided that it was worth the risk. Paul McCartney has spent £30,000 of his own money getting his band and his trappings to Venice. Giant trucks carried the equipment, ancient barges carried the trucks. On Saturday, September 25th, Paul McCartney and Wings played Venice, Italy at St. Mark's Square. Two hours before the concert, the McCartneys were smuggled into their dressing room, a section of the square's 800-year-old museum, all gilt and precious wall paintings. You are obviously the first band to play in a place like this. Have you, have you ever played anywhere quite like it before? No. Carnegie Hall? Not really like it, no. Speak Hall? No. Speak Hall, definitely not, no. No, we haven't actually. No, this is our first, with this lineup of the band, it's our first outdoors, so it should be fun. Your records are now selling in Russia. This is true. But you can't get the money out. No, you get to go to Russia to spend it. And uh, it's all right, though. It's a change that they're being released, you know. They, they, they used to just have them on black market, and uh, the government didn't allow them to be released. It was all very decadent and Western. But they're, uh, they've allowed Band on the Run to be released, and it was the first rock and roll record in communist country. So we're very proud of that, breaking down the barriers, cultural barriers, east and west. Maybe the twain shall meet. You're going to go there? Uh, well, there's some talk about maybe going next year. So uh, we might end up in Moscow. Watch out. What do, you, what do you both think about this Sid Bernstein appeal to get together as Beatles again and save the lives of millions and change the lives of millions and make millions. Well, originally, uh, Sid made an offer like about five years ago, just when we'd sort of broken up and said, come on, lads, get back together again and I'll give you something like a million dollars or something. At the time, everyone said, well, you know, it'd be a good idea if we were getting back together again, but as we're not, uh, it doesn't mean anything really, you know. And then this other fellow in Los Angeles, Bill Sargent, made an even bigger offer of some 35 million or something. And that was about the same kind of thing, you know, well, as we're not getting together, there's not much point. So Sid's gone and topped him again now, and Sid's done an offer for it. But it's a nice idea, you know, but uh, I say, as the group isn't going to get together, probably, uh, it doesn't really mean much. Is it likely to happen? No, I don't think so. I've been saying this about four years now, you know, looking earnest and saying, no, I don't think so. Okay. How you feeling, all right? Okay. See if you remember this one. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I. 
yesterday somewhere I'm not at the man I used to be There's a shadow the sort of peace movement that there is in the world, it's a bit boring to some people maybe, but you never know, with the kind of stuff we do of sort of bringing together uh, people from different political cultures, and sort of everyone just realising everyone's really the same, I mean we played in Zagreb uh, and we thought that was going to be very grey and communist and stuff, and it was the best show we've ever had they were singing along with yesterday Maybe there could be some kind of breakthrough like that, you know, where young people kind of decide through getting to know each other through something like music that uh, the old politics of sort of always fighting each other and killing off the young, you know, and all of this stuff. There may be something like that to come out. Wings leave Italy and land in Munich, Germany on September 26th. played the Olympia Hall in Munich on September 27th. How you feeling? Feeling all right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go, man.
As if by design, Ringo Starr also leaves Italy and arrives in Hamburg, Germany on September 27th on his Rotograve Viewer promotional tour. that they needed because I was last to join I mean you know before, and then it took off I don't know it probably would have taken off without me I don't know but I think you know as I say I live my, I'm a fatalist and I arrived there and then it takes off and uh, I was probably the personality that the three of them needed to fit in with as a foursome I don't know if anyone else's personality would have fit in because I'm easy going and they have three very strong characters, you know? So if you'd have had another one, it may have been loggerheads all the time, so I was like pacifist. Do you ever see a... I don't consciously remember doing it. You know? Also on this day, the LP Roto Viewer is released in America. In a Los Angeles courtroom on September 28th, A&M Records sues George Harrison for $10 million, citing George failed to comply with the terms of his new contract and deliver an album by the agreed due date of July 26th. The record company also asked the court for an injunction, preventing Harrison from not making any more records until the case is heard. Subsequently, both parties settle out of court, and George retains Warner Brothers services to distribute his Dark Horse label, and proceeds to release all future recordings with WB. One and a two and a three and a four and a... Attachment only hurts and locks you in tight Better catch up to yourself before the end comes along There's only one thing I want to see That's the Lord got to try to keep him inside Better take care of yourself, baby Come on, won't you let me be Station. 
The next day, September 29th, Ringo, still on the Rotogravure promotional tour, flies from Germany to Copenhagen, Denmark, where Ringo is interviewed at the Plaza Hotel. Ringo's Rotogravure. For a few years ago, Ringo started to Copenhagen on a so-called promotion tour. Verdenspressen from Norway, Sverige, Denmark, TV and radio took him out. Very nice of you. Sorry. Just a little joke. I'm not surprised. You're not surprised. No. You should be in here. No. Two yeah. minutes for photograph. Smile. You, you seem to have a special way of uh, having the best musicians on the records. That's because I'm the best drummer you've ever seen. Truly, but we have never seen you here before. No, but uh, I mean, I do. I'm very lucky. A lot of friends of mine come out and, and will play on my record, which I thank them for. Ringo, when you make an album, do you do you do you try to to create a specific atmosphere? A uh, party. <laughs> All your life. I mean, you, you. It's said in the in the news release that you design furniture as well. Um, yeah, do you sit in them as well? Uh, music is my main life, right? Yeah. Uh, acting because it's a part of it now, and films and music are getting to be one of the same situation. Furniture I design. I got into because I bought a house and decided. To, to design some furniture and thought, well, this is really good. You should have some. Are you sure? I mean, no, you. And you said it, you. To them, I mean. Right, and I did that for five years. I mean, I designed some really good furniture. Now I don't do that. Are, are they I'm selling? On... Well, it's very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Later, Ringo is interviewed riding a bicycle through the streets of Copenhagen. Oh, that's neat. Little do. When were you sitting on a bicycle the last time? Oh, uh, must. Well, I have one at home, you know. In England, I had one uh, that Peter Sellers gave me, or his son gave me. A real one of those American sort of weirdos with 12 yeah. gears. We actually go into yeah, you the. Put out your hand when you turn to the right. That's it, that's right. See the Tivoli, the famous Tivoli. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about that. You've never been here. This is your first no, time? No, first time I've ever been here. We missed you the first time. Probably the last, if you're going to keep putting me on bikes. <laughs> <laughs> when you go on a promotion tour like this, uh, does that uh, interfere with your integrity? No, I mean, I make records. And I make records to sell records to as many people as I can, because I'm a pop artist, you know? How are you doing, sugar? That's <laughs> Thank you. She's all right. <laughs> She's from home. Yeah. yeah. Well, which home? She's Danish. Didn't she speak English to you? Oh, I Where said, how are you doing? She says, very well, thank you. <laughs> Is Bob Dylan's yeah. new record in your shops, folks? Go and yes. buy it. Yeah. And mine. There's a picture that's of mine. Yeah, all right. Picture. That's the first time I've seen it in the window. Here's your change. Oh, they put holes in the money so you can hang it around your neck. Well, that's enough of that. Must be a German station. How would you know? Music. Oh, can you tell? Yeah. <laughs> we have filters, you know. Oh, look at God, this bike is going to break my neck, I'll tell you. Push. 
Meanwhile, Paul, Linda, and Wings fly back to London. They spend the next several weeks at the Abbey Road Studios, filtering through the recordings that were made on their world tour for possible inclusion into a live album. Back in New York City on October 2nd, on the NBC television show Saturday Night Live. The following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Host Lauren Michaels reveals that the offer to the Beatles to reform was accepted by Eric Idle, who vowed to deliver them to the studio, but something went terribly wrong. Hi, I'm Lauren Michaels. Several months ago, I made a bona fide offer of $3,000 to the Beatles to perform on Saturday night. For months, there was no response, and then about two weeks ago, I got a long-distance phone call from Eric Idle, tonight's host, in London, saying that if I would let him come over and host the show, he would bring the Beatles with him. Well, in my excitement, I agreed and foolishly sent him the check for $3,000. You see, he said the Beatles wanted the money in advance so that they could buy some new clothes to wear on the show. Well, when I met Eric at the airport last Monday, I noticed that he was alone. So I said, where are they? I mean, the Beatles. And he said, well, that their new clothes weren't ready yet so that they were going to catch a later flight. I still didn't think anything was wrong till yesterday when a telegram arrived saying... Can't come now. Ringo's pants too long. Stop. Please send more money for alterations. Stop. Signed the Beatles. When I showed the telegram to Eric, he said he would call London immediately, and did, and convinced John, Paul, George, and Ringo to send over a film instead. Well, 20 minutes ago, the film arrived from England. I just saw it, and it's quite good. Only it's not the Beatles. It's the Ruttles. <laughs> Evidently, Eric had a bad phone connection to London, and well, anyway, it's halfway through the show, and Eric's already spent the $3,000, so, ladies and gentlemen, here are the Ruttles. <laughs> Oh, I must be in love. 
ripples there in their movie, A Hard Day's Rut, directed by Dick Lester, which is very near Rutland. From these streets, very close to the cavern Rutland, came the fabulous Rutland sound created by the Fab Four, Dirk, Nasty, Stig and Barry, who created a musical legend that will last a lunchtime. They were discovered by their manager, Leggy Mountbatten, in a lunchtime disco very close to these streets. Their first album was made in 20 minutes. The second took even longer. Tonight, we examine the legend of the Ruttles. We look at their lives, their loves, their music. We examine some of the problems that made them what they are today. We also ask the question whether these people shouldn't really have been doing something better for their money. And we shall be asking for some of the people who work with them whether they really were the sort of nice, lovable people that they were made out to be. Tonight, we shall be also speaking to many of the people who... Well, if you've enjoyed it half as much as we have, then we've enjoyed it twice as much as you. And now, <laughs> as a fitting climax to the evening, I'd like to sing my song. Belzer. Next Saturday, watch NBC's Weekend with Lloyd Dobbins. Saturday night will return in two weeks, October 16th, when our host will be Karen Black. And I, Don Pardo, will also return in two weeks, proving once again that old announcers never die, they just fade. On October 4th, Ringo travels to Holland for a series of interviews promoting his new LP, wrote a Grebuer. Staying at the Okura Hotel in Amsterdam, Ringo gives an interview to the Dutch Beatles fanzine, Beatles Unlimited. The next day, Ringo makes an appearance on the AURONED2 program, Voor die Weistweig, hosted by William Dalsch. De talkshow host van Nederland, Willem Duis met zijn vuist. On the opening of the show, Ringo is seen playing the drums to the show's theme.
Favre, het applaus, want we hebben natuurlijk allemaal gezien. Achter het drumstel niet Han Brink zoals van ouds, maar een van de werelds beroemdste drummers, de ex-Beatle, Ringo Starr. Hey. How you doing, Bill? I'm fine, how are you? What's that you tell you? Oh, it's uh, just a glass of lemonade. Yeah, glass of limonade. You're the first guest who brings his own drink, you know. Well, it's my first time here. I didn't know what the procedure was. What do you think of my fishes? They don't make much noise. Het zijn vrij kalme vissen, geef toe maar mooi, hè? Well, they're very nice. Uh, goldfish, are they? Goldfish, ja. Yeah. I see how bright it's all up here in my elbow. You eat goldfish? No. Hij, you? Eet, hij eet geen goudvissen, zegt hij. Nee. Oh, like... I thought it was one of your special tricks. You're going to mm. pop them in your mouth. No, no, no. We eat herring in this country. We eat your herring. Everywhere you go, they eat herring. Do you like it? No. I don't want any have herring. One. I... Have one. No, God. Get it. <laughs> Terrible. Have one. No, no, it's horrible. <laughs> Take it away. Give it to me. It's not even dead. <laughs> yeah, it's just no yeah. Oh, look at this one. Ringo Starr. Hij is in Scandinavië geweest, in Duitsland, in Milaan. Hij is nu een paar dagen in Nederland. Dan gaat hij door naar Japan. Japan is your next stop, I think. Yes, we go to Japan next. En overal moet hij persconferenties geven. Press conferences everywhere. France, Italy, Germany, Denmark, Holland. Photo sessions. Everywhere. Drives you crazy, huh? I love it. You love it? Yes. <laughs> We don't know you with the spectacles. You know? Well, I never take them off. Yes, you do, on this record. Well, that was yesterday. See, what's, what's the magnifying glass for? Well, that's so you can see better. See, you've got one there. Yeah, I have one here. Show me. I'll show you what you do. Well, I'll show you with mine. See, this is what you do. <laughs> hey. See, you look at the back here and see if your name's on there. Did you write on this door? No, I didn't. Well, your name won't be on there. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm Vinny. I'm just saying lots of shit. You know, we never, we never have this kind of show with so many photographers in front of us. Well, because I'm famous. That comes that that's so beroemd, Ben Hey! Are you only famous or rich as well? I'm everything. You're everything. I'm everything city. you'll ever need. Ringo Party said in Italy, you told the press, I'd like to speak about Ringo, the singer, and his yeah. new record. Well, that's because it was getting silly that all we were doing is spending uh, at least 75% of the time talking about Beatles, you know, which I'm very pleased I was in the band. The band is no longer there. Why I'm here is to do a specific job, is to tell you I have a new Continuing in a moment. Wings finish their world tour. They're on the end of a world tour. Three nights, I've gone past security guards, fans, everything to get in here. I will see to be back home for Two or three games. How many, how many concerts, how many countries have you uh, played through in this city? Very successful tour of you. Lots, Wings. lots. Many, yeah. lots of countries, including a couple of communists. Yes. Zagreb. Yes. How does Zagreb do? Very well. George releases a new LP. George Harrison's phonograph is turning to a new speed. 33 and a third is his new album in the works, set for a late 76 release date on Harrison's Dark Horse label, now handled by Warner Brothers. Ringo is on stage again. Ringo and uh, Ronnie Wood are going to help us out on this one too. Also rising on the charts is Paul McCartney and Wings' live album, Wings Over America. Next on Yesterday and Today.
For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts, Yesterday and Today, and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. (laughs) You can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterdayandtodaypodcast or facebook.com slash thirdmen or you could head to society6.com slash Podcast. that's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) Guys, we need your help. (laughs) Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me. Thank you.